2: Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gurnan and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. If you would like to support the podcast you can do so through Patreon. I have attached the link on the website so if you just visit the website irelandsbirthstories.ie you can then find the Patreon link there. Thank you to those that have. This week, I want to mention Glow Baby Doula. Lorraine is a fertility, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum doula and provides support to so many women. She's offering the Ireland's Birth Stories listeners a 10% discount to offer services. And I just want to mention her workshops. Um, so she has workshops across November and December. So I'll be putting up a little post about them on the Instagram page and also over on the website, where I will also link her own website. In this episode, I chat to Laura and she talks me through her two pregnancies and births. Laura decided to go down the home birth route with her two babies for no other reason, but she felt it was just the, the, natural, the natural option. Uh, I really enjoyed speaking to Laura and I hope you enjoy listening to the episode. Laura, you're very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Would you like to just start off by giving us a little introduction to you and your family?
3: Yeah, sure. So um, my name is Laura and um, I'm married to my husband, John. And we have two little girls. So Alison, our first, was born in 2017. She just turned three. And um, Emma, our most recent, just turned six months. So three years old and six months old. And we actually had both the girls at home and planned home births. Brilliant.
2: Yeah. So, can you tell me, first of all, just for those who um, are listening and would, are interested in home birth, why did you decide to go down the home birth route? Oh my
3: God, it's actually a longish story. I mean, just to set the scene, I was grew up in a house where anything wrong with you it was a couple of sopodines and off you go. And um, I didn't come from any sort of holistic understanding. And when I found out I was pregnant with Alison, I just booked into semi private care in Hollow Street, as per most people I know. And I never, ever imagined I'd be someone who'd have a home birth and I actually remembered I was thinking about it today I remember it being at a baby shower for a friend of mine um maybe about six months before I found out I was pregnant with Allison, and her mom was talking about having had her kids and saying how she had them all naturally and I was just like why I don't I don't get it why like you know I, I had no concept of why you wouldn't use an epidural but somewhere along the pregnancy with Alison um I wasn't, loving going into my appointments in hollow street and somebody in who i work with had recommended i do the gentle birth course and my eyes were just opened in a way i never expected when i did the gentle births to understand really kind of and to think about not to understand i mean it's kind of easy to understand but to think about what our bodies are capable of and all going well having no complications just that knowing that my body was sort of designed for this I don't know, it was like groundbreaking. (laughs) It doesn't sound like a groundbreaking concept, but it felt groundbreaking to me when I sat and thought about it and had it all explained to me over two days by this really lovely instructor who I just clicked really well with that I really liked her and trusted her and trusted the information. And uh, my husband was with me doing the gentle birth course. And I remember at the end of the two days, he was like, yeah, this this was a brilliant course. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're going to have the home birth. And I was like, excuse me. <laughs> I was like, what? Ian made a decision in these two days. And I was like, uh, I'm not there yet, although I am fascinated by it. And then after that, um, we just started investigating it more. And eventually, oh, I was also working with... Um, I mean I was working with a lot of people but one girl who I was working with was also pregnant at the same time as me and she was just by chance my professional mentor and I loved her and she was just great and um still love her but she um she had been going to Hollistery too for semi-private care also and when I had been having experiences I just wasn't 100% comfortable with I had told her and she said that she was feeling the same and she also started investigating home births I mean she didn't do the gentle birth course and she signed up first she was due maybe two or three months before me or something and she signed up to private midwives um and told me then she had kind of done all the homework and said you know like our insurance covers it in work and like I think you should do this I'm gonna do it I'm, I'm gonna go to private midwives and so I think she was a bit of an incentive too and then eventually when we had the first official appointment when a midwife from private midwives Ireland came out to the house to speak to us um, kind of from there, we just didn't discuss it anymore. It was kind of just a done deal. And we moved then from semi-private to private midwives Ireland. And that was at 36 weeks pregnant. So I think I started investigating it at 26 weeks pregnant. So it took me 10 weeks to decide. And then it was kind of all well, kicked off from there that it was like no more hospital appointments. Midwife used to come to the apartment every week, got to know her really well, um, really liked her. And yeah, it all
2: felt really natural from there. And how did you feel throughout your pregnancy?
3: So my first pregnancy, um, God, they were so different, the first and second. I, We had been trying to get pregnant for quite a while. And um, I had just gone to my GP for a really routine checkup and just said, like, look, can I get some blood work? I didn't really know anything about it. And I was like, or can we do some tests, like, just to see like what are my like am I fertile (laughs) am I not it's kind of thought they could like do one blood test and tell you like exactly what the situation was which is not the way it works um but he recommended that I went for uh a scan like uh, it was like an internal ultrasound actually I don't know why he recommended it but anyways he recommended I went for that after we were trying for about six months and um they misdiagnosed me with (laughs) with like bicornuate uterus um which I don't know it's Massive, I don't know, it's a, it, it's a really deep subject, but I was scared and thought that maybe I wouldn't be able to get pregnant. And then um he later, for some other reason, sent me fertility clinic where they told me that we'd have no chance at all of getting pregnant naturally and we had to go for IVF. And for something inside of me, just was like, that's not true. It just couldn't be true. I just didn't believe it. I didn't sit well with me. And so it was a, it was kind of a not a really long road, but a complicated road to getting pregnant. So when I found out I was pregnant with Alison, my first, I think the excitement overrode everything. I didn't feel tired. I didn't feel nauseous. We were just so excited to be pregnant. You know, the way I, are, I, I just couldn't wait. And I only remember that pregnancy as lovely. I'm sure there was parts of it where I was exhausted, but I think the
2: excitement was was just overriding everything else. When you got the news that you might have to go down the IVF route, what was your initial reaction? Did you, did you discuss that with John? Is it? Yeah. Um did we
3: just yeah, we discussed it in detail. Um I I just I just didn't, it didn't feel right. It didn't sit right. I didn't think there was anything wrong with me. He didn't feel like there was anything wrong with him. I know that sounds silly because people don't feel these things, but it felt like we hadn't given it enough independently to need IVF. Um I then went for this appointment in the fertility clinic. I think I went out there twice and, um, both times I hated it, (laughs) to be honest. I left crying both times. I just didn't get the right senses and what the doctor was telling me didn't really make sense to me. And then she had done blood work and she had done a scan and the numbers didn't seem dire to me, you know, that kind of way. So, um, I never I just never bought it I never bought that I needed IVF I just something about it just didn't click with me and I was like no I don't think I do and we got pregnant naturally after I don't know we probably were trying about a year and we got pregnant naturally in
2: the end yeah so were you using ovulation sticks and were you tracking your cycle and everything like that after Mm -hmm. for for that year
3: yeah on and off for that year we would do it like um I think I tracked my cycle like Maybe three months in a row, and then I'd stop, or I'd use the ovulation sticks a couple of months, and then we wouldn't bother. And it was it wasn't fun. Like that's not the most fun time. I don't know. It's a bit um, tedious. And uh, but the time the month I did get pregnant, we had said, "Look, this is getting really boring and annoying." And I had been to clinic a few times, like maybe two or three months in advance of getting pregnant. And as I said, I didn't enjoy those visits, and I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable with what they were telling me it just wasn't sitting right with me and so we had kind of agreed to just give it up for a while when we didn't get pregnant which I think is always the case when you relax
2: (laughs) absolutely I hear that so Mm. often yeah and relaxing strange isn't it the way your body
3: body just knows um what else actually I had been traveling a lot with work and my work was a little bit stressful at the time and I'd also stopped traveling it's so funny. And the other girl who I worked with, when she stopped yeah. traveling with work, she got pregnant too. So we, we were in a bit of a high stress environment and the stress had probably not gone away, but had changed around that time. I definitely thought that had something to do with it. And it was the end of the year because I did the pregnancy test on Christmas Day and found out we were pregnant on Christmas Day. And I was so excited. And you know, like everybody okay. says, like, you know, you've got this really faint line. You shouldn't tell anybody. Like I told my whole family.
1: <laughs> I
2: was just so excited. Oh yeah, I, I could never keep it a secret. <laughs> like I would have to hold it under the light to see the line and yeah, I'd still be telling Exactly
3: <laughs> the same. Like and at that stage, like we had been doing it for months, like and I, everybody was so sick of like John was so sick, but he was like, please don't do another pregnancy test. I was like, Nope, I think this is it. And then it was. So eventually I was right.
2: <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well.
2: So then you obviously went to your GP and you got, did you get bloods done at that stage? Oh, no, that was a 21 too.
3: I went to the GP who, um he was a really nice guy, but I don't know, he had a funny manner and he said to me, um yeah, he, let's do bloods And then, I don't know, how do they do the HCG reading? But he told me that the levels were so low that he didn't really, I don't know, he wasn't sure that the pregnant was pregnancy was definitely viable or something. And he asked me to come back and get the Bloods again. And they hadn't quite gone up in number as much as he thought they should. And so that was actually not fun. That was a period where I was like, is this really, is this real after so long? And it turned out to be fine. But yeah, I had the Bloods done. I was in and out to him. That was probably another another aspect on where the I wasn't, (laughs) I've been having a lot of aspects as you can see between Hollow Street and then and then that experience with him. I just wasn't feeling the medical route before I ever decided on the home birth, and this was totally new to me. Like I wasn't normally into alternative medicine or anything like that, but nothing was totally right. But he did say something to me that I thought was really useful around that time, um, because I was probably overanalyzing everything, having tried so hard. He said to me, um, you know that pregnancy is not a medical condition. (laughs) like It's a natural state. You don't need blood work to prove it to yourself like he was trying to steer me out of the mindset of you know what do I do next doctor you know and send me off on my way to to enjoy this in a kind of a natural way so actually he was probably encouraging me a little bit more down the natural route I thought that was really interesting because at that stage having been trying to get pregnant having tracked your, your your ovulation having your little sticks like it had become very medicalized in my head you know and he kind of directed me out of that and maybe that was the start of my journey. I'm not sure, heading towards home birth. But uh, I remember that being a big shift in my head. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm not sick. I'm pregnant. <laughs> you know that I like the it's a very natural thing. It's not something I need help with. I just need to let my body be and do its thing. So I was obviously learning a lot about my body in that time.
2: That was actually probably that was very powerful yeah. what he said to you.
3: I have to give the GP that credit because he never wanted to really. He never really wanted me to do the blood test or the scan or even go to the medical clinic. He, he wanted me just to go home and relax and enjoy my life. Yeah. And he said to me once really early on, he said, um, I don't really want to send you to a fertility clinic because once you're on that carousel, it's hard to get off. So he was a very considerate, kind GP who was trying to save me for something that I just didn't understand, I think. Yeah.
2: And then how were the last few weeks of your pregnancy? So from 36 weeks on, I'm sure you felt um, at ease knowing that you had made your decision and you had your midwife on board.
3: Yes, we had the most interesting and amazing midwife. I had two very different midwives for my two births. And I think I needed exactly that midwife at that time for each birth. So my midwife for Allison, she was um, German and she was very matter of fact and didn't go into any detail. And she was just like, look, it's just going to happen. Just relax. And I was like, oh, should I be doing like the perinatal massage? And she was like, no, not unless you want to. If you want to do it, if you don't, don't. And like, you know, she, she didn't have anything to prescribe. She just wanted me to be calm, relax and be. And I was calm and relaxed. She was so calm and relaxed herself. It was like the most normal thing in the world obviously for her she's a midwife who delivers and specializes in home births so it was the most normal thing in the world for her but she completely brought everything to kind of this plain field of just human natural behavior and never let me overcomplicate everything and she certainly wasn't going to overcomplicate it herself um so she would just come once a week and listen to the baby and she's like oh that baby's perfect oh look she's sitting this way and she was very excited about the baby and she'd say like we knew as a girl because I had gone for a gender scan myself at 18 weeks out of just sheer impatience so we used to talk about her like and she'd say oh she's sitting on her left and oh my gosh she moved to sit on her right now and she's very low down and I don't know she made she humanized the whole thing really well and um yeah we were really excited for the last four weeks there was kind of no stopping us at that point. It, there was never it never entered my head that anything would be other than right when when it happened. And I think she brought that confidence to me and John and to the house and to the space. And yeah, it was it was really lovely. She was she was very much a breath of fresh air, having um been seen kind of like a different consultant every time I got in. And I don't know compared to the the more medical side of things yeah
2: she was lovely and so John was fully on board because usually the it takes a bit of work to get your partner on board but he seemed to be
3: no John was up for it, totally into it from when we did the gentle Great. birth course I mean I think when we had learned so much again it just felt normal like it didn't feel like a big crazy decision I did I did speak a little bit less to some people in my life who I knew wouldn't understand at the time I don't even think I did that consciously I just maybe I retreated a little bit to myself um I didn't tell anyone I don't think really that I had a definite home birth planned I just said you know we're going with mid private midwives at home and we'll see what happens and I even said that to the midwife I was like look if 20 hours into labor I'm too tired can I go in into the hospital and get an epidural and she was like yeah don't worry about it like if that's what you need that's what you need like I you'll be okay like don't worry there's no and we live maybe 20 minutes from hollow street and yeah um yeah I felt really mentally prepared I just we didn't ever dwell on anything being other than right with the situation Mm
2: -hmm. and
3: that was lovely yeah and John was totally he was really excited yeah it was like it was very it all felt very intuitive it all felt like it was coming from internal um there wasn't any big like political statement i'm not going to that hospital like it wasn't it just felt right Yeah, yeah, yeah and there was nothing really going to move it from that i can't even describe it it was one of those most natural things in the world for me almost yeah so talk us
2: through those last few weeks
3: um, but yeah so Madeline was coming once a week everything felt very natural and normal I think I only started acupuncture towards the end of my pregnancy but I found I found an acupuncturist um nearby here in Dean's Grange who was fantastic and I was kind of going to her once a week and you know telling her my plans and she was really excited for the, for me having this home birth and um and I, I think I got signed off work about oh yeah I went to we went down to Connemara for a week I was signed off about three weeks before the baby was born maybe it was only two weeks before the baby was born it was all very relaxed I just don't remember any drama other than being excited that's really my overwhelming memory of it and um on my due date oh yeah the acupuncturist Rosine, she's a dote told me that um she does this great acupunctural process that uh, I think it's called the induction although I don't remember her explaining it like that to me at the time but she was like oh I'd never do it until your due date but any time from your due date after that I can do this acupuncture and it's really effective and it tends to get labor going and like so I booked her in on the day of my due date to do this acupuncture which is called the induction god it was pretty intense but it was amazing and um, so yeah on the on my due date I was feeling great I didn't like I knew the baby was low because Madeline kept telling me that baby's very low and I went in and had that acupuncture and as I was like it was about an hour maybe an hour and a half long it was a really long acupuncture session it was quite intense um she was doing like you know this point uh, on between your thumb and your forefinger that is meant to be like for softening your cervix and all those and she was doing that quite intensely like and I said to her at one point like oh Roshi that's really sore and she was like oh uh, I've gotten really deep she said to me um if you can handle that, you'll have no bother with pre- with labor. I mean, which is such a funny thing to say, but in my head, it registered. And I was like, yeah, I'll have no problem with labor. Like she was like dropping these little hints to me to tell me that I would have no problem and that I was really strong. And it was lovely. So I felt really strong. And um, as I left that session, she said to me. In the like sweetest tone, she said, So um your waters will break in about 12 to 24 hours. And I was like, What? <laughs> was like, you can't just say that. You couldn't know that. Like I'd heard of everybody waiting like weeks and days and going over. And I was like, how did you know that? And I kind of just smiled and was like, okay, and left and thought that was a strange thing for her to say. And sure enough, the I think that session was around lunchtime on my due date. And the next morning at 7 a.m., my water's broken. So,
2: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> did you send her a text? <laughs> Straight
3: away. Because when oh, my water broke, I, I, I did. I rang Madeline and said, oh, my water's broken. This is very exciting. And Madeline said to me, um, that acupuncture obviously worked. And she said, ring her again and get an appointment for today. <laughs> so, like, my water had already <laughs> broken. Like, I wasn't really thinking. To, I was like, OK. So like I texted Rosine. and I was like, oh, my water's broke this morning. Can I have another appointment? I mean, I don't really know why I needed another appointment, but Rosine very kindly fitted me in. And I went to her again the day after, like my water's had already broken and I went to her. And um, that time, the second time, it was a really gentle acupuncture session. I think she was just... Hamming me and getting me ready and it was lovely so yeah oh, acupuncture cool. was part of me going into labor yeah she was so nice and like after that i remember we went for lunch and um and like really slowly over the day like a few contractions started um but when i look back now because my waters had broken i was probably on the clock but nobody kind of said it to me like that and i didn't i didn't get to out about it I just let it happen and um, actually to be totally honest you'll kill me but my husband went into real stage of nerves that day (laughs) after all his drive and excitement he was really nervous like he could barely talk to me and I was like hello like I think I'm about to go into labour you need to be here with me and he was just kind of a bit absent for a few hours but he came back in time so it was okay Uh, I had read loads and loads of birth stories I should say that I had read so many birth stories I had watched free birth videos on YouTube (laughs) like some of the stuff I was watching was bizarre and I had also compulsively binge watched all of Call the Midwife (laughs) like for ages in advance so I mean to say I was prepared for this like I was just excited um but obviously he hadn't been doing half of that and um yeah actually when I thought about it afterwards watching Call the Midwife was an interesting one because it's obviously period drama and um so all the births are natural and like some of them are wonderful and some of them are tragic but I didn't dwell too much on the ones that were tragic but compared to like watching One Born Every Minute where there's kind of like that hospital scene and drama like I didn't actively think oh I'm going to watch Call the Midwife because it will set me up for my home birth I just decided to start watching it and when I think about it it was a good thing to do because I saw so many natural births on that program and probably sanitized because it's for tv but it was still nice um so I think I went home actually and I started watching Call the Midwife three o'clock the contractions just started to have a pattern so maybe every 20 minutes at that point and um, at around five o'clock they were getting closer together and I rang Madeline and she said that she was going to come then because she was about an hour away I think she lived in Mungar and um, so she was driving up between five and six and she rang us on the way to say she'd forgotten the tens machine or she'd lost her tens machine or something and like that was the only thing really I'd considered so I was like uh okay so John went up to Booth's I remember to get a tens machine and I remember hating that because when he went to Booth's and Madeline wasn't here yet I was now on my own in my apartment and for some reason that gave me a little bit of fear like and I had a couple of contractions when I was there on my own and I was like oh god surely I'm not supposed to be here on my own for this um, but by the time he came back and Madeline arrived, it must have been about six thirty, and I was still very much able to talk. You know, um, in between the contractions and even maybe through the contractions, I can't remember. But nothing had ramped up to any great length at that stage. And at seven p.m. or around that time, I think what, when I look back, what was happening was I was getting close to the twelve-hour mark since my waters had broken. So Madeline decided to give me um, a homeopathic remedy, uh, which was like a little tablet that she crushed into a glass of water. And she said, "Drink, just drink this. It'll help the contractions. And at this point, I was sitting in my sitting room. And every time I had a contraction, I would lean over this desk that we had in the sitting room. And I would just kind of, you know, get myself through it kind of quietly and then come back and start chatting, you know. And as soon as I drank that glass of water... I have the name, but I can tell you if you like, I can't remember it off the top of my head. But as soon as I drank that homeopathic remedy, um, suddenly the contractions just ramped up massively. And I've later discovered that I am sensitive to homeopathic remedies in general. So you know, when they're meant to work, they work for me. So from suddenly then I was leaning over the desk in the same position, having the contractions, but there was no break. So I couldn't talk through the actual contraction at this point. And one was going into the next, into the next. And like Madeline was sitting here um just taking notes. And I remember John was making lasagna. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, has anybody noticed that I've gone into really active labor here? Like and I just everybody seems so calm. And then um I like got the energy up to say, Madeline, Madeline, there's there's no break. And I said, I'm not getting any break or something along those lines. And she said, don't worry, you'll get a break soon, which when I look back makes me laugh so much because I'd say she knew there was no break coming anytime
2: soon. There was no break. You'll get a break when the baby's here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But bear in mind,
3: that was 7 p.m. And am I spoiling the story if I tell you the baby was here by 10.30 p.m. So I don't so it was fast. So like I think yeah. you would say I went into labor at 7 p.m. or but like even active labor, I don't think she kind of declared active labor for another, I don't know, maybe half hour or something. But um somewhere around that time, it's all a bit blurry to me. When when I was getting no break, at some point I said, like, I need to get into the bedroom, which is just down the hall, because actually we're in a two bedroom apartment. So I was in the sitting room and I just wanted to get down the hall and get to my bedroom. And um I don't even know why I wanted to get to my bedroom, but I did. And they helped me down the hall to my bedroom. And I labored there for the next two, two and a half hours. And um, when I was in the bedroom, as soon as I got to the bedroom, Madeline said that she was going to check me. And uh, when she checked me, or maybe it was half an hour after I got to the bedroom. I'm not sure. But when she checked me, she said, like, she didn't give me a number. Maybe she did. I got the impression anyways, I was about one or two centimeters dilated max. And um, that wasn't that didn't focus too much on that number. I know some people get disappointed when they hear a number like that. Didn't focus much on that because she also told me your cervix is very far back and it's pointing backwards. And I had noticed never, never occurred to me before. And I don't know if anyone told me. But from that second on every contraction I had, I was sitting up straight, holding on to my husband's shoulders and leaning back, like hanging off him which actually, you know, I did learn that in gentle birth. They show you about like leaning back into into your labor. But in my mind, I was trying to move the baby down instead of back. So she was kind of, every contraction I had, I could feel the baby pressing on my lower back. So by leaning back really hard myself, I was trying to move the baby around down to a different position. And poor John, like I was hanging off his shoulders, like in such a way, like I was putting so much weight on him. Um, but I don't remember a massive amount of being in the bedroom for that two and a half hours. So the time went very, very quickly. As I said, the contraction was one rolling into the next. So I didn't have any breaks. Um, I had a small bit of cognitive ability to decide to lean back and those kinds of things. But I wasn't talking to anybody. Um, Nobody was really talking to me. John says that I was in a complete other universe. That He said like my face almost seemed blank as if I wasn't there. And then, of course, there's the glorious noises that I was making. <laughs> I often wonder if my neighbours heard <laughs> um, because the noises are very, like, intense. So at some point, I started saying, I want to get into the pool because we had a pool set up. It was blown up in the sitting room where I would started the labour and we had practiced filling it. And I decided I wanted a water birth. And um, so John went to fill the pool. And once the pool was full... John and Madeline had to really help me down the hallway from the bedroom back to the pool because, I mean, it's only, I don't know, however many meters. But it felt like an eternity walking for me because I was obviously very far along in labor at this stage. I think the pool was filled by, say, I don't know, like 10 past 10. Yeah. So once I got into the pool, the very first contraction I had in the pool and they were coming thick and fast at this point, my whole body pushed without me thinking I'm going to push now and I remember Madeline being like Laura you need to slow it down and you know try to breathe those short little breaths and I just remember thinking how can I slow this down because I have no control over this like my body was on autopilot as far as I could understand and so that was maybe the first contraction and then the second I was like trying to do those little short breaths and I think I kind of got a handle on it a little bit and then the next contraction was so big and I had so little control and it was everything had just gone so fast as soon as I hit the water. And that third contraction, Alison just shot out, like not even her head was born, but her whole self was born into oh, the water wow. really fast. And like, so it was really, really fast from when I got into the pool. And I think I got the fright of my life. Like I just yeah. hadn't expected it like that and um John was there right beside me but like Madeline wasn't even looking at me because nobody had expected it and anyways they rushed over and oh yeah the second midwife had just come in she had literally just arrived um like maybe a couple of minutes like while I was in the pool um so she was only there a couple of minutes so they all rushed to me and picked up the baby I didn't pick up the baby I honestly didn't know what had happened and they picked up at little allison and i think a couple of things had happened she had come out so quickly and the cord was around her neck twice but because she came out so quickly she kind of pulled away from me and the cord kind of tightened on her little neck and so it was hard enough for madeline to get the cord from around her neck so they took the cord off and then you could see it was around again and they have to do that again And they had to take it off again a second time. And then I lay back and they just put her up onto my chest. But God love her. She was, um, she wasn't crying. She was, she wasn't breathing. (laughs) She was a bit limp. That was a scary moment in retrospect. And um, like I asked John, was he scared looking at it when he was there? But he, he said he wasn't. And I wasn't either. I just, it didn't occur to me that there would be a problem. But it was, I think, according to the notes, maybe two minutes. Where she wasn't breathing and they were trying to pat her little back. And eventually they went to give her oxygen and she started breathing um, on her own and she was fine. And like it actually didn't occur to me at the time that this would be a problem. But when I read back over the notes more recently before Emma was born, I was like, God, that must have been quite scary. But maybe within 10 minutes, she was just a normal crying pink little baby. But it did take a while. She was fairly lifeless when they put her up onto my chest. And because I think it was my first, that didn't seem unusual to me. I was just kind of gobsmacked. I think I was in shock, to be totally honest. I think I was in shock. Um, so it was an eventful, fast and kind of wild birth, I think. Um, what position were you in in the pool? I was actually leaning over the edge. So like I had my hands up on the edge and I was on my all fours. Yeah. Um and like, that was just actually how I'd been laboring the whole time in the bed. I'd been kind of on my all fours and I, every time the contraction would get intense, I would come, I would kind of go up onto my knees and lean back. And But in the pool, I was just leaning forward on, on my knees. Um, and yeah, she just came out so quickly. Actually, it was John who caught her. And um, yeah, and then... Then she when she was crying and she was well, I just held her they wrapped her up in little blankets in the water, which I think still think is weird. I find it hard to understand because I was like, Oh, the blankets are getting saturated. <laughs> but she was there on my chest. And like at that point, she was crying and she seemed really healthy and happy. And I was holding her and cuddling her. And I think I was just in total shock. But it's funny because I listened to so many birth stories, listening to your podcast recently, and people talk about that moment of meeting their child and being so overwhelmed with love, like I, I just think I was in shock. Like my mom said to me, like, did you cry? I cried every time each of you were born. But like there wasn't a huge amount of emotion. It was just pure disbelief that she was here and that had happened. And it was all so fast. And yeah, there wasn't a massive amount of emotion, I felt. And I was also, I was sore, to be frank. And I was like, is everything okay down there? She came out quite fast. I was a little bit focused on myself, if I'm honest and being like is everything okay Uh, which it was but yeah it was an unusual moment and we just were in the pool for maybe I don't know 20 minutes and they said do you want to come out and get into bed and you can deliver your placenta in bed and I said yeah like I didn't know what was normal what wasn't and I said okay and um, like I was holding Alison getting out of the pool and like I was she was still attached to me they hadn't no they cut the cord at that point but I still hadn't delivered the placenta um like they did do the delay cord clamping and John cut the cord when we were still in the pool so maybe it was longer than 20 minutes and then I kind of like hobbled to the bed because I was still hadn't delivered the placenta and within half an hour of her being born we were kind of like cozied up in bed which was lovely and she was by that stage totally pink and alert and looking at us and we were taking her in and trying to figure out who she looked like and Yeah, it was all very cozy, (laughs) is
2: the way I would describe it.
3: it It's
2: nice. You must have been in shock. I think even on your second to experience that, you'd still be, your body would be in shock because your body.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or
2: sleepnumber.com. Body isn't expecting it to happen that quick.
3: No. I I mean, the more I look... It was only really when I started thinking of edulary and Emma that I think I realized that that was a bit crazy. You know, like yeah. it seemed normal because it was all I'd known. And nobody said to me like, oh, was that that was crazy? Or are you OK? Like, you know, in any way other than you've just had a baby. It, it just didn't feel like that big a deal. But when I look back, yeah, it was a little bit crazy. So she was born at half 10. I was probably in bed by about eleven. And at around 2 a.m. or 3 a.m., Madeline and the second midwife, whose name is Liz, they're both, they're so nice. They were still there like cleaning up, like mounting the pool and checking in on us and helping me to try and breastfeed. And um, they said to me, you know what? You actually tore, not, I didn't have a bad tear, but I mean, maybe I did cause it was so fast, but I had actually torn in an, in an unusual place so my labia had torn (laughs) and Madeline said like because of the position of the tear I would rather you got stitched in hospital would you be okay transferring in to get the stitch in hospital and I was like look if you think that's what I need I'll do that because I've no idea what tear is complicated or isn't complicated so if you feel like it's complicated stitch I will go in to hospital to get it. Um, I'm like, that's how I remember the situation. But when I read back over my notes, again, only in 2020, I read over the notes, we were actually transferred into hospital, not only because I had a complicated tear, but because um, the baby has had such low Apgar scores when she was born. So her Apgar scores were only like two or three when she was born. And they went up very quickly. And she was at 10 within five minutes of birth. But... They wanted to check the baby, too. But it's funny. I don't know if I blocked that out or if I misunderstood it. But I thought we went into hospital because of me. But actually, I think we went into hospital because of the baby and me. But very kindly, the midwife who saw us when we arrived in. So I, we went in an ambulance, myself and Alison. And John followed us in the car. And when we got in, this lovely midwife saw us and um, stitched me up uh, she gave me gas and air which was hilarious because I hadn't had any gas and air during the labor but I had it been stitched and um, she gave me gas and air she did the stitch and then she had a pediatrician look at Allison. and I'd say we were in there at around like I don't know 3 or 4 a.m and we were home by 6 a.m again so they was very kind of them to let us come in have the stitch and they didn't admit us or anything now that's also a good sign of how we were there was no great problem, but also like, they could have admitted me and said, "Here, you need to stay, and we're going to check you." And they just they just made it really easy for us to have the care we needed and then to go home again. Um, so we were back home again by half six o'clock in bed. So it was a weird overnight, <laughs> but again, I was on cloud nine because by midday the next day I had like my sister and her husband and my mom and her husband here and I was like making them tea and happy out like walking around like literally saying like oh hey, look at my new baby like totally happy with myself as if like it had all been totally easy peasy which I think
2: that's just the hormones though I was on cloud nine yeah and so the few weeks after that how did you feel You still felt on a high and empowered? Yeah, so
3: I definitely felt on a high and empowered for the days after her birth, but I really can't stress enough how surprised I was at the recovery. So I'd obviously had the slightly complex tear of my labia, which the doctor had stitched, and then I had a slight tear at the perineum, but the recovery was way harder than I expected. And I had spoken to other people, friends and family, um, who had had much more complicated deliveries and um, assistants and stuff, who told me that they recovered in a couple of weeks. But I genuinely found it about, I found it a long six-week recovery. And I remember being really exasperated by week four, five and six, being like, when am I going to feel normal again? Um, So the physical recovery was long but I was really lucky without, with not encountering the baby blues and the, there was no psychological recovery. I just felt mentally so well and so happy and so excited. Um, but the physical recovery surprised me and it was slow. I found breastfeeding hard, to be honest, at the start. Um, I got the hang of it eventually, but I remember being frustrated with that. It's just mostly at nighttime when I was kind of on my own and it was dark and... Um, I remember that as not being a fun part of it, but
2: in general, I was in a bit of a baby bubble. When did you just start start trying for baby number two, or did you?
3: Yeah, I did. We we were thinking about it, and it had taken us a long time to get pregnant with Alison, and we were like, okay, let's have our second baby when Alison is between two and three, potentially closer to three, Um, but it happened very quickly. Oh, so great. Alison was just two and a half when Emma was born so we got pregnant really quickly with Emma which was just such a nice surprise and such a relief because I'd hated trying to get pregnant I'd found that process really tedious and upsetting and hard emotionally with Alison so it was just again we were we were excited that was lovely it was very quick and we were like oh Alison's
2: going to be a big sister Mm -hmm. and
3: again I told everybody way too soon because I was so excited
2: yeah And you knew straight off um, that you were going to have another home birth, did you?
3: Yeah. But after that, um, I kind of thought the private midwife, I had gone to private midwives because I had been too late to get into the Domino scheme and I wasn't feeling the semi-private care in Hollow Street. And I was very late in my pregnancy. So there was no option with So I had to go with private midwives. But when I got pregnant with Emma, I was like, look, I know what, like, Three weeks pregnant, that I'm pregnant. I'm going to be super organized. I'm going to book in with the Domino Midwives. I heard so many good things about them, and they had a medical center just near where I live. And I was like, this is going to be great. They're supposed to be lovely, and uh, they are lovely. And I said, um, so I decided to book in with them and tell them straight up that I was going for a home birth. So that's how I started with Emma. God, I've been through every sort of maternity care in Ireland. But I started on the Domino midwife scheme. And again, I changed. But much later in my pregnancy with Emma, COVID was becoming a thing. And there was a lot of uh, kind of question over whether home births would be allowed to go ahead with Dominoes. So I actually moved to an independent HSC midwife right at the end of my pregnancy with Emma. So started with Dominoes, but had baby with an independent midwife again well not again like it was a similar setup to madeline but she she worked for the hse so yeah she's lovely and Um, did you feel as well throughout that pregnancy no it was worlds apart um when i got pregnant with emma i almost immediately started feeling sick like really not well and i started off with the kind of like nauseousness then vomiting. And I was really, really busy at work, like very busy and working very hard. And um, because I couldn't keep up with the workload and the constant needing to run out of meetings to vomit, I sort of, again, subconsciously without thinking, stopped eating for a while because I just couldn't keep vomiting. Um, So I was feeling dreadful by about 12 weeks with. Uh, with Emma I was actually feeling dreadful for a lot of the pregnancy with Emma and uh, workload just kept getting heavier and more intense and I just felt like I was getting weaker by the minute <laughs> and actually really early on in my pregnancy with Emma maybe at about 18 or 19 weeks I got signed off for a few weeks to recover essentially because i had kind of gone to a point of such low physical energy and I never went back to work after that because my GP just kept signing me off and I just did not feel well at all during my pregnancy with Emma Um, but my work was so intensely busy and I work in a very 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 busy building with a lot of people and a lot of computers. And a lot of stressed out people. And honestly, I don't know. Like I've researched EMFs since. Like as in electromagnetic magnetic fields that you get from computers and stuff. And um, I don't know what it was. But I almost physically couldn't work, walk into my office building when I was pregnant with Emma. It was like I would actually have to try and force myself in the door. I can't describe it. It was the energetics again. I found it really, really hard to be in the office. And I just felt so off so I was signed off and I was off for a really long time and like Alison was still in full daycare and I slept an awful lot and I ate very little <laughs> I just found that pregnancy just took its toll on me but I mean maybe it was that pregnancy maybe it was things at work
2: I'm not 100% sure so then do you want to talk me through and um, the final weeks of Emma's pregnancy
3: Yeah, so um, with Emma, as I said, I started on the Domino midwife scheme and because COVID was becoming a thing, her due date was the 4th of April 2020 and we had the big lockdown, I suppose, on the 12th of March. So around that time, even before the big lockdown, I had heard murmurings of uh, Domino midwives not doing that many home births or or being concerned about doing home births because um, they needed uh, ambulances available for others in the country and they potentially might not be able to do home births um, so I just didn't even take any chances but again our, things were happening at the right time Um, I didn't do any research I just went to my normal prenatal yoga class with my fantastic yoga teacher who had actually been my gentle birth instructor in Bray and um, Lara is her name and she just said in one of the prenatal yoga classes oh we actually have a midwife joining us today she's new in the area and she is an independent HSE midwife and I mean I'd had a home birth at this stage and I was like a what like I didn't know that that was a thing because there had been none in our area until then but essentially she works for herself but she's tied to the HSE and um she's fully approved and under all their protocol and um um anyways she's she's an independent midwife is what they call her and carolyn came to the yoga class and she just said hi i'm just letting you guys know that i'm starting up in the area essentially starting up her own business and she was like this is my kind of ethos and this is the kind of birth that um i'd be happy to attend and um here's how it works and um yeah if you want to get in touch with me let me know and it was funny because i had just been thinking like i'm not sure about Domino." about the whether they'll let me have the home birth or not and um, then she just popped into the yoga class just at the right time and I was like you know what I'm going to call her so I called her the next day and um, we ended up chatting for ages and I told her I'd had the home birth before and that I really wanted to have one again and immediately with the most minimal confusion she set everything in order to help me move from the domino scheme under her care and her boss like who works for the HSE um came out looked at the apartment gave me all the they give you a bag of gear like of Humberth gear I don't know went through everything with me kind of got me to sign the paperwork i went through the protocol of what I should do, like things that I need to have organized, like they're very big on heat in the room, like to make sure that the apartment was warm enough, um, which we knew it would be because we'd had a home birth here before. Um, And they kind of signed me off on that Sunday. And so on Monday, I rang the Domino Midwife scheme. I said, look, I've moved to an independent midwife. And from that day on, then I could just ring Carolyn to come uh, for appointments kind of like weekly. Sometimes she'd come more than weekly, depending on how I was feeling. And it felt immediately, very much like the same care I'd had with Madeline, that she would just come here to the apartment. I would lie down on the couch. She would listen to the baby. Um, at that stage, like, Allison's creche had closed. So Allison would be kind of like, it was, it was about two and a half, would be, like, rocking around, being like, where's Carolyn? Like, you know, and is Carolyn going to get the baby out? And I was like, yep, Carolyn's going to get the baby out. And it was all very relaxed again. And I just felt like everything was going to be calm and cool and good. And um, yeah, so she came to me weekly for the last few weeks. And um, my due date was the 4th of April. And I was really excited about that due date because I really liked the numbers like 0404 2020. I was like, that's just such a beautiful, even date. I want to have my baby on that date. Um, but needless to say, it wasn't to be. And there was no option of ac- acupuncture this time because my COVID was in full lockdown and my acupuncturist had disappeared off to Mayo. So yeah, on the eighth of April, I think I kind of knew on the eighth of April. So on the eighth of April, I had an appointment with Carolyn, and Carolyn came, and I think she knew as well that I was about to go into labour. She kind of, kind of hinted or said like, "I'll see you later" instead of saying, "I'll see you next week" or something like that. Or she said like, "Call me anytime," or I don't know. I got the feeling she knew, and I I felt like I knew. And that night, um, we put Alison to bed, and. Um, I think at around I don't know maybe nine or ten I said to, uh, to John like I think I'm feeling something and I'd had a lot of Braxton Hicks with Emma but I almost knew instantly like this this feels different and um, then I was like no no I'll just go to bed and it's probably nothing and um, then if you no know, like maybe I had another surge maybe about an hour later and then like that was at like nine and by I think 11 p.m. My God, am I going to get my times right now? Um, yeah, by about 11 p.m., I was having the surges every 20 minutes and I was still trying to sleep, <laughs> but it just I don't know why I was trying to sleep because I knew it was going to be fast because it had been fast last time and it was only apparently going to get faster the second time, according to everybody. So, um, at 2 a.m., I was still like no 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 I'm fine and John kind of said no no I recognize this I've seen this before (laughs) I'm ringing Carolyn I was like what's 2 a.m I don't want to ring her in the middle of the night and he was like will you stop like I I think you're in labor I'm ringing Carolyn and like I don't know how far apart they were to be honest we weren't timing them John was just looking at me saying I recognize this and I'm ringing Carolyn and I was like Grant so he rang her and she was here by 3 a.m I think she also knew that it was going to be relatively quick and by 3 a.m when she got here like, I certainly wasn't talking through the surges, but I was talking to her in between the surges, if you know what I mean. And um, when she came in, Alison woke up, and that was a nightmare, because Alison's two and a half, like, and we live in a small apartment, and I was adamant I didn't want Alison around for the birth. But because of COVID, like, I just didn't know what to do with her. But we just kind of went with the flow, and she woke up when when um, Carolyn came in, and I was a bit nervous. But John just brought her into the sitting room, sat her in front of the TV, let her watch an episode of Peppa Pig as if everything was cool and then said, OK, it's bedtime, <laughs> and, like brought her back to bed at half three. And um, I was in my bedroom with Carolyn at that stage trying to stay out of her sight so that she wouldn't try and attach to me. If you know what I mean? And so he got her back to sleep around half three, four. And I feel like I kind of knew then I could relax and the. Um contractions started getting way more intense very quickly after she went to sleep but also I noticed which is fascinating that when John was with me the contractions were much stronger and when he wasn't with me when it was just me and Carlin they would get much weaker and I said as much to Carlin I said it's weird my contractions feel a lot stronger when John's here and she said oh that's oxytocin that's like nature's way it's very natural so I remember being like John get over here <laughs> like I you are beside me for the rest of this now because obviously you're just dying down with the baby and I don't know why the hell I was trying to speed it up as if it was going to be slow but anyways I had him beside me and the contractions were getting stronger and stronger and um if she was born at 6 30 it must have been around 5 a.m suddenly I couldn't talk in between them and I also vomited. <laughs> uh, so John got the bucket or whatever. There was a bucket somewhere around. And um, Carolyn later told me that that's when she would declare me an active labor. So that was 5 a.m. And I think maybe about 35 or 40 minutes after that, I asked him to get into the pool. But this time there had been we had been a little bit more organized. So we had the pool full. And um, I got into the pool maybe, I don't know, about half hour after the vomit and um i had always said to carolyn like my original my first um birth had been really fast and i really want to concentrate on slowing this one down and making it a lot more peaceful because it had been so frantic with allison and like we myself and carolyn actually had gone through the notes from allison's birth which is so funny because i had them on file And I said, Carolyn said, you never read these. And I was like, I tried, but I can't read the handwriting. (laughs) And she said to me, oh, that's really interesting because from working as a a midwife and reading doctor's writing, she said, I can read anyone's handwriting. So she had sat down with me and read through them. So I think that was around the time that I had realized that maybe Alison's delivery was a little bit scarier than I realized at the time. So we had decided together that we would want to keep it really slow and steady for Emma. And um, I'd watched a few more videos of those kind of slow, steady births. So there's a really lovely one in the gentle birth course where they show this really slow, peaceful delivery. And I kind of had that in my mind, but like um, I hadn't gone too detailed in it, but I just that was my aim to keep it slower. So when I got into the pool, Um, it was the opposite to Allison. Everything kind of went very zen and much more peaceful. Now, the only thing I'll say is I did look at the clock and I thought to myself, oh my God, it's like quarter past five in the morning. And I was like, "Allison is going to be up soon. I really want to have this baby by the time she gets up. (laughs) It sounds mad, but that's what I was thinking. Um, So I was in the pool maybe for quite a number of surges, like maybe, I don't know, like seven or eight surges and each surge in the pool I could really feel Eva coming down lower and lower and I had the it was much more I was much more cognizant and aware of everything during Emma's labor than I was with Allison's. like I really think I was out of it in Alison's whole labor my whole body was an autopilot and I had no idea what, what was happening whereas with Emma's I was considering things and I was like okay it's quarter past five when is Alison going to be awake let's try and keep this slow let's so everything was quite steady and um and John again I was in the same position I was leaning on the edge of the pool and John was kneeling outside the pool just holding my arms and I was kind of holding him again like leaning onto him and Um, but there was no back labor with Emma like the way there was with Alison it was all I could always feel her moving down with every contraction and when I got into the pool I could really feel her moving down so maybe after about five or six contractions I was kind of crowning in the pool and um, Carolyn was behind me with the mirror and she had her light and she was encouraging me. Um, I'm quite funny I don't like massages or being touched and so I never used all those pressure points and everything but Carolyn at one point just put her two thumbs on my lower back and like on the some pressure point and honest to God it felt so incredible and she also was very um, encouraging in her words and she'd say like you're doing great Laura and I felt like she read me really well like she knew when I needed her to help me on the pressure points so and she knew when I needed that encouragement and then she knew when to kind of back off because right towards the end it just got really calm and silent and there was that transition period which was very distinct with Emma which I hadn't really I don't remember experiencing with Alison because it was all so quickly but I had that period of transition with Emma where I said to John like I I don't know if I can do this I don't actually think I said I don't know if I can do this I think I was aware enough of my words to say tell me I can do this you know, like, tell me this is going to be okay. And John said, like, you can definitely do this. And I was like, okay, okay. Like, But I remember having that slight wobble. And then um, the next contraction, I think, her head emerged. And again, I'd never experienced that because Allison had come out all in one go. So that was
2: indirect. Yeah. And
3: I was like, yeah. And, and my, um, I actually have a video of this because the second midwife at that time, because everything was calm and gentle there wasn't a huge amount for the second midwife to do so she picked up john's phone and started videoing which i just couldn't believe that she had i'm sure she's been to so many births but that she had the inclination to do that and i appreciate it so much i never considered having a video of my daughter's birth but i do i have a video of emma's birth and it's incredible to watch i've watched it about 20 times um but yeah so i when their head was born, you can hear me being like okay is this it and Carolyn's like no no her head is born. you just have to wait now Laura for the next contraction and you can almost hear or I can hear when I watched the video that I was impatient I was like but is she not born yet and I was like no this is happening in two parts like just wait for the next contraction and then at one at that point she kind of starts to wriggle because she's turning and I had never experienced that and I was like what is she doing (laughs) like she's just turning relax it's okay uh so we gone from really calm to me ruining the calm by being like what's happening uh and then in the next contract she was born very calmly and easily with no cord around her neck totally pink totally alert just as healthy as can be and um I could hear the second midwife saying catch her Laura but again I was in my own world I didn't catch her Carolyn caught her and um handed her up to me and yeah put her up on my chest and she immediately was crying and then calm and just so alert and so pink and so cute and she was just there and it was hilarious she must have been on my chest for a whole of 30 seconds when Alison barged in the door I was like what's happening <laughs> was she waiting outside like did she hear you know I have no idea to this day like did Alison just wake up at that point and and decide to come into the city room I have no idea but like within seconds of Emma being born Alison was at my head being like what's going on here (laughs) mummy I was like oh my god there's a lot happening here this is your sister
2: <laughs> so god but if, if it ha- that had been like a couple of minutes beforehand that could have completely yeah stressed you out or thrown you off totally like at that point I think I'd
3: forgotten about Alison like I still to this day no so, no like maybe like our door to the sitting room from the hallway is glass like maybe Alison was there watching I have no idea like none of us have any idea <laughs> you know she just barged in I was like okay hello so she never had to go anywhere she was there from the get-go she had randomly picked up a packet of toothpicks that she had found somewhere and it was like as if she kind of needed an excuse to talk to me and she was like here mommy And she was like handing me a pack of (laughs) toothpicks, and I was like trying to hold the newborn still in the pool 13 minutes after the baby had been born. And it was just surreal. And Emma was just so well and healthy, and we had the delayed core clamping. And um, I didn't need any stitches from like after Emma's birth because it'd been so peaceful. And uh, we were in my bed. I went into my bed again, same as I did with Alison. And um, I was meant to deliver the placenta in bed. I actually didn't talk about this with Alison, but it was the exact same with Emma and Allison. I have a bit of a mental block on delivering the placenta. And, um, you know, they kind of say to you, just lie down here and we'll deliver the placenta now in bed. And for whatever reason, it just never worked for me. And then like I was up and into the toilet trying to deliver the placenta and back in the bed And my placenta seems to be slow to deliver. And both times they gave me a little bit of silica, which is another homeopathic remedy. And um, that seemed to work both times. But both times my placenta was very slow to deliver. And I think I have a mental block about it because I remember them being like, okay, like push. And I'd be like, no. (laughs) They were like, come on now, we need to get the placenta out. It was like as if I rejected the idea because I was like, look, I've already got the baby out. Is Is that not enough? (laughs)
2: But anyways, um, that was slow. and It can definitely be on your mind, though, after you've, because I, I, I didn't think about it with Oliver, but with Eva, I definitely did. I was just like, oh, leave me alone. Yeah. Like, but, you know, it's not something that you want to have to do. That's
3: exactly it. It'd be like, leave me alone. I've done enough now. <laughs> and they were like, and both yeah. times, like both with Madeline and with Carolyn, I feel like it stressed them out a little bit because I know they have deadlines that if you don't deliver after a certain time, I don't know, this potential problem or you have to go into hospital or something. And I think that it was so slow with me both times. I felt that pressure afterwards of like, come on now, it's time to do this. And I was just really resistant to it for some reason that was a mental block on me or it was something that nobody talks much about even in gentle birth I just didn't quite understand how it was supposed to be done or something it's like it's like a missing piece of the link for me I don't get it or I never was good at it and actually with Emma the second time I needed to really get the percent out and get it into the lunchbox because I was doing a percent encapsulation which I didn't do with Alison but I did do with Emma which was nice.
2: And how did you find I I actually still have my placenta. I haven't quite decided. I'm not ready to to part with it yet. It's still in the freezer. How did you find um take the tablets?
3: <laughs> this is the funniest thing, Cora.
2: So like I researched
3: it, I know what placenta encapsulation is. I like I understand the process in detail. And so I handed my placenta in the lunchbox, or John did, to, to the girl who was going to do it, this really nice girl. And um, it came back in its little tablets. Everything's fine. And when I went to take the tablets, I was totally freaked out by it. And I was like, Look, you, know, you could kind of see like this flaky red stuff in there. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't want to eat my placenta. And John was like, don't <laughs> do you a placenta? we just paid 200 euro for you to encapsulate it. And yeah. He was like, did you not know? And I was like no I did I just I don't want to do it anymore
2: <laughs> Oh Lord, that's so funny I'm not
3: really freaked out so they're all in my fridge and I didn't take them
2: <laughs> so technically you still have your placenta there with you technically I don't know
3: it was weird. Yeah. you know what I thought it would be really helpful if I had low milk supply and I had had slightly low milk supply with Alison and I thought that Maybe that would be a great idea, but I never had that problem with Emma. And I also thought if I'm feeling like baby blues, which I, I didn't really have with Emma, I definitely didn't have thousand, but I only had it mildly with Emma. So I just never felt the need for them either. So I just didn't bother. Yeah. That was a bit of a waste of them. so just
2: want to talk us through there about the um bit what you're saying about the baby blues. Was it a couple of days or weeks after you had Emma?
3: Oh my god. Okay. The baby blues with Emma is an
2: interesting one.
3: So We were in the height of lockdown when I had Emma at home and Alison had been off, had had no childcare or daycare for um, nearly a month. Yeah, about a month when Emma was born and I had been like heavily pregnant and trying to entertain a two and a half year old all day in a small apartment with no garden, with no family support at all, like none. Like, we didn't see anybody other than myself, John and Alison, and I was really pregnant. And then Emma was born, and we were still in lockdown. Like, it was the 8th of April, and John had two weeks off work, but he had finished up a half a week early because I had said, I can't entertain Alison anymore. I'm just too pregnant. So that meant he had a week and a half after Emma was born. So for a week and a half, there was the three of us here, or the four of us here, and Emma was newborn and I was in bed every day. And John was trying to look after me and Carolyn would come every day. And Alison, to be totally honest, was not happy to have a sibling. And she was kicking off like she was having tantrums that I had never seen her have before. Like from the day that Emma was born, Alison started having tantrums that I had never experienced before. And they were intense. So then John went back to work after a week and a half and it was just me. And a two-week-old baby and a two-and-a-half-year-old. And And John was working from home because he literally wasn't allowed into his office. He had asked, he was like, if there's no one else in there, can I go in? Because he was so busy in work. And his manager was not giving him any respite because of the new baby. Just because the nature of his work, it got busier in lockdown, not quieter. And so he would be sitting here at the kitchen table with these noise-cancelling earphones on. <clears throat> excuse me with his noise cancelling earphones on trying to tune us out and I would be dealing with two and a half year old tantrums and two-week-old newborn and I was like obviously still recovering and it was just the most intense experience I've ever had so I used to get up in the morning and I used to wrap I used to get dressed and I used to wrap Emma in a soft wrap on my front and then try to put Allison into this like kind of like you know those kind of holiday kind of buggies like the light buggy because I just do not think I could manage the heavy buggy and I would go out and just try to get Alison some fresh air because she's just such a lively child like she's actually in nature kindergarten now that outdoor forest kindergarten because she's just got so much energy she needs to run you know she really needs to expend her energy and um, I would be trying to bring her out to get her to expend her energy with this Two-week-old newborn attached to me. And like John just got low Like he he was not getting the like this breathing space and work to help me. And it was to say it was intense. I mean, that went on for weeks. And that was the case until the 29th of July. And Emma was born on the 8th of April. So um I just I was so overwhelmed. I've never been so overwhelmed in my life. It was honestly one of the hardest things I've ever experienced. And um, yeah, so the baby blues <laughs> came and went throughout those those months and weeks that I think it was overwhelmed more than anything. Um, yeah. Overwhelmed with the toddler tantrums, which honestly I hadn't experienced before. Because as I said, whether Alison would have had those tantrums anyways, I have ne- I'll never know. But they only started when the baby arrived. But also when the baby arrived, she suddenly was taken away from her from her creche, where that was all her friends. Like, that was her routine. She, like, I had been technically a full time working mom. So she had been in creche from eight months and now she was two and a half, and suddenly, creche was gone. And she just didn't understand. She used to ask me every day, like, where are my friends? And I was like, well, you know, like the creche is just closed for now. And then she'd say to me, like, where are my cousins? And obviously, my sister's family were kind of in quarantine. and. My other, my sister-in-law, like her family, um, she works in in hospitals, so they were being super careful, understandably. Um, my mom was down in Galway. We were in lockdown, so we couldn't see her. And John's parents were very nearby, but his um, dad was high risk, so we weren't seeing them. So, yeah, we would just be us in the family, and it blew Alison's mind. She just couldn't understand how her world had suddenly gotten so small. And how suddenly there was this new little baby there. He used to take all of mommy's time. It, and it just drove her crazy. Like I would be breastfeeding on the couch and she would just be screaming at me. And John would be like with these noise cancelling headphones trying to be in the middle of a meeting. Like it was just crazy. It was the craziest time I've ever experienced. So yes, that, that was the time of overwhelm. And it was just, I don't think like, I was like crying all the time or anything but I just was in a constant state of fight or flight and survival. Well thank
2: you for sharing your story, it was lovely to chat to you. I really enjoyed it, it was so lovely to chat to you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your story you're more than welcome to. Simply send me an email to irelandsbirthstories at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram at Stories. I look forward to bringing you another episode.